Welcome back to episode 168 of the Breakthrough Freelancer Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today's guest is Carl Becker, a longtime corporate escapee, a best-selling author, sales performance expert, and owner of Improving Sales Performance. Carl's a repeat guest and first appeared on episode 138, originally as a subject matter expert, but back this time to share his journey. Hey, Carl, welcome back to the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Did I cover everything in that intro? I'm sure I missed something, but I tried to make sure I at least hit all the highlights. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. I've gotten into a lot of trouble in the years. Um, I seem to never learn, but I love it. I just love being able to be independent and create things and get it rolling and also impact teams. So you probably did a pretty good job. I, I've got two books out now. I'm working on a third. I also uh, have a leadership conference that I'm a, a kind of co-facilitator, co-founder in. Um, but I'm always just involved with ideas and trying to bring things into the world and see if they stick and getting in, get into new adventures. And I think that's what it's all about. If, if you really are passionate about business or whatever you're passionate about, if you can get in those adventures all the time, you're probably doing something right. Yeah, it's awesome. It's always amazes me how much, how much you get done in what seems so little time, but, um, yeah. And by the way, congratulations on the new book. We'll, we'll get to that in, in a little bit, but man, talking about a, uh, a labor of love. This thing is not a handbook. This thing is super comprehensive and very well written. So kudos on, on getting that out. Thank you. Two, I think we had you on last time. One, to talk about your business, but two, you also had the other book of Set Up to Win, right? And which I really right. like for, for small business, small business, even a solo and frameworks that you put in place. So I encourage folks, if you missed the first episode where we get into a lot of tactics, go back and listen to it. I believe it was episode 138 and we'll put it in the show notes for you to do it. But today we're going to talk about your journey because I think yeah. what what's exciting is, you know, I, I left corporate a lot longer after you did. And I think there's a misconception of folks that the only thing I can do with my expertise is consult or subcontract mm -hmm. and make some money and try it. But there's a lot of things that you can do with your, your skill set. And what I'm trying to do with this podcast is highlight and showcase, you know, what others have done. Right. And I'm sure there's some things that worked for you. There's some things that didn't work for you. But, you know, but I, I'd like to start back is I know it's a few years ago, but but that pivot point, because you were in a, a corporate role, but then you decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going all in. What was what was kind of that decision point or the pivot point? What was yeah. what made you take that leap? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the first is I, I always associate what you do for a living like clothes. Like, you know, do these clothes fit? Are they my clothes? This is how I want to show up. And I think we all probably had the experience as a kid where our mama dressed us, right? And you're like, this isn't what I want to wear, but you know, you look so cute, that type of thing. And so what I started to realize is um, in some of the roles I was in, in more that kind of corporate world, the clothes just didn't fit. Um, and, and that would be the personal version of it is like who I'm showing up as every day. I don't like, it's not me. It's not who I am. And I think a lot of us have this internal conversation all the time. Like, why am I doing this? Is, am I going to spend the next 10 years or 20 years doing this in a job I hate? And then your, then your kids are like, dad, you know, I just, you know, put a dent in your car. I need a new retainer. And you're like, oh, I guess that's why I'm doing this. Right. But it doesn't have to be that. So for me, it was both clothes not fitting and, and realizing that I needed more for myself. I was just feeling like, oh, you know, I, I have so much more to give. I have so much more to be. And when I started to realize I needed to be that for myself, 
And when I could do that, I would be better version of me for other people, clients, friends, family, partner, uh, things like that. And, and, you know, the other part of it is we talk about core values a lot of times when I'm working with clients and are, are you pressure testing what you're doing for your client? Or, you know, if, if you're my client, I'm like, is this in line with our core values? And if the answer is no, then usually it's a red flag that either our core values are wrong, which is usually not that, or we need to do something different. So I would also say there's an element of pressure testing your own individual core values where you are today. Um, and maybe that company's not the company it used to be, or it's not serving you, or you don't feel comfortable with what they're doing. And that might be fine um, for them, but it's not for you. So for me, it was just kind of a combination of what do I need? And am I self-limiting myself in a one company environment? And I was, I mean, I've got a lot of clients on the impact, a lot of companies, and I could never have done that in the corporate setting. Plus I like to learn, like uh, I need a lot of input a lot of different scenarios all at once to be able to be the best version of myself. Such a good summary of that. You know, one, I've never been happier. I've had a few attempts previously to leave corporate and ended up back. And, you know, one of the ones was, you know, I thought I had to start a business, right? I had to start a a company, right? And build it and do that. But man, there's other, there's other pathways. And I think if I would have looked at it differently back then, I wouldn't have ended up going back into corporate. But in hindsight, I think it taught me a lot more of really what I want to do and how to do this. So I think that that's absolutely right. Um, Did you think when you were starting, I want to build the next Google or Microsoft? Or was this, hey, I'm going to build a a lifestyle brand before even that was even a thing? So what what were you looking for? What what did you want? Yeah, I'll tell you. um, It's funny what you said about, you know, what, what, you thought you had to do and what you, what you know now versus what you knew then. I just turned 50 a couple of days ago. So that's a big milestone. Oh, happy birthday. Right? And, <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to <you>. the club. <laughs> yeah. And so in doing so, I had a conversation with my wife. I think it was even last night. I just said something like, man, I wish I was doing what I'm doing now 20 years ago. Yes. And, and she's yes. like, she kind of gave me a yes. And she's like, yes, but you wouldn't be as good as you are today. If, you didn't spend the last 20 years in all the different adventures and challenges. And, you know, I've got a personal bankruptcy. I had another company that I had to let go during the great recession in 2009 and 2010. And so like being able to carry the different experiences of my life, good and bad, or I would even say just challenging, you know, like it might not have been bad now that I look back at it. Yeah. The bankruptcy was horrible. I'm not sure it was bad it made me a lot better person. And I think it did a lot to also shape my children and how they understand the value of money and that, you know, it's not given, you have to earn it. And, and that sometimes you lose, but how you recover is important. So I guess I would say with a lot of these things, um, there's an inner voice, at least I have that kind of pushes me and tells me like, let's try this. Why not? You know, you can do this. And I try to let that one amplify more than the one that says, Oh God, you know, like, you're going to do this and you're going to fail again, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah. I guess I would say sometimes I think people just have a calling and, you know, I, a lot of times I think about people that really love to play the guitar or they really love to sing or they really love to paint. Or, and I'm, I know I'm mentioning things that are creative, but that's kind of what flows through my veins more than anything, but to not be able to do your calling or the thing that fills you up or that makes you smile I think that's that's one of those first things, not so much, do I need to be in corporate or do I need my own company? Do I need to make the next Google? You know, 
I think it's what shows up for you. And I've got plenty of friends that, you know, when I meet with them, Carl, this is what I've got to do. These are my rocks. This is my goal. I got to get to 10 million in two years because I need an exit by the time I'm 55. Because if I can't do that and I'm like, whoa, like that's crazy. But, <laughs> but that's what feeds them. And that's who they want to be yeah. where I'm much more. I got really clear that what I play for is impact and impact on individuals and teams. So it was never about the big paycheck. Um, I also believe if you do something that you're really passionate and you're good at it, you're going to do just fine. And I do just fine. Um, but I am not going to have a gazillion dollar exit with what I'm doing here. But it doesn't mean one of the clients I'm in doesn't put me on the board or decide to give me some equity and I get a bump that way. So there's a lot of different paths to, to the financial end. But I think it all really depends on what what are you playing for? I think that's the first question. And that's yeah. why your three apps are important, right? Are you playing for freedom? Are you playing for flexibility? Finding, like, what are you playing for? I want to come back to the, the three Fs because I do think that's once I started to figure out what was really important to me, that really helped guide some decisions. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that because it seems like a little thing, but I think it's important to think bigger than maybe what you're even thinking today. Yeah. I mean, I think about, uh, so I, I, I have another business I started just over the last couple months. Uh, real high level. It's it's a rental car business using the Turo platform, and it's called Cars for Colorado. And I have a business partner that actually was one of my coaching clients. So you never know the adventure you're going to get in. I, I met this guy as a referral. I was coaching him. We became really good friends. Then he started to manage some of my properties, and we just hit it off. He's really operationally minded. I'm entrepreneurial, creative, sales, marketing, and we had this idea. Well, why don't we create a, a brand and put it in Turo? And the and the reason I'm telling you that is. I kind of go through my mind and I go, okay, what's the worst case thing that's going to happen? I'm going to buy five cars. I'm going to try it out for 90 days. And if it doesn't work, I'll sell the cars. And people will go, yeah, but it's depreciated and you already paid the tax. Okay. So maybe I'm going to be out 10 grand. Maybe I'll be upside 10 grand, 20 grand. I would challenge you. And I mean this in a loving way. Uh, did your 401k drop 10 or 20 grand in the last six months? <laughs> you know, so to Probably. me, it's like, yeah. right. Or, or, or the value of your home or whatever it might be. So in my mind, it was like my why not was I can take a ten or twenty thousand dollar risk and try this new company, and and I, and a lot of people would be like that's crazy. I would never do that. But for me, I was like, hmm, you know, if I put it in the market, I might have just as easily lost ten or twenty grand. At least this one, I have more control in it. It's my own destiny, and I've got this partner that I really enjoy working with, and it's a great idea. And let's give it a try. And so far, so good. Knock on wood, it's doing great. But I think part of the why not is in our brains, a lot of times we make the fear or the, 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 the negative a lot bigger than it ever could be. You know, I could probably sell all the cars we own now and either come out ahead or, or flat or maybe five or 10 under. And for me, that's okay. Cause the opportunity is so much bigger than the risk. Yeah, no, it's such a good point. And, you know, another concept I've been kind of embracing is, you know, the personal holding company, right? And so I'm thinking about the different revenue streams that I have. And it's it's okay. I'm, I'm talking to somebody else about how do we partner on a specific deal, just like you're doing that says go after it. And I think conventional wisdom tells us, oh, you have to go all in, quit your job, do all these things where... You know, I would say, man, you can test a lot of different small things. I like to have them kind of all in the same general realm. So it's not completely opposite, but I'd rather make a bunch of small bets that we can control our destiny on and, and drive it versus right going all in on everything you have. 
Yeah. I think about that a lot as my own portfolio theory of my time, you know, like a portfolio theory, like a mutual fund, right? We're going to own a little bit of a lot of companies and that way, hopefully more do well than don't. And net net we win. You're, you're distributing your risk. And I, I look at my time, especially my professional time, a lot like that too. Like to your point, like what's the portfolio? What all things are involved in and what's too much? Because a lot of times it's too much. For example, the example I just told you, I already meet with my partner, Alex, once a week to talk about some properties he manages for me. We already work together. So that incremental step of like, hey, what if we tried some rental cars on Turo and you manage them just like you manage my properties? We already talk all the time. So I think a lot of you listen, you probably already have a built-in business partner or a built-in sample, you know, a sample business. There's someone you work with, someone you know, maybe they're at work, maybe it's a college buddy. And you're like, you know what? We already do this thing. Why don't we try it for 90 days or six months and see if somebody will pay us to do it? So to me, it's, it's a combination of what are all the little things that can add up that obviously don't detract from my focus, but also, you know, what's naturally already in front of me. I didn't wake up one day and go, oh, I want to be a Turo host. I would have never thought of that. But as I started to have this adventure with my friend, it became a natural evolution. And we tried a couple things before that. And that's where we ended up. And so far it's working out. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think it's a great example. And you're, you're right. Yeah. Don't the audience, don't confuse just trying everything and throwing a bunch of stuff. It's It's got to be focused and planned, right? I mean, be intentional about but those things. And you'll, you'll probably know within, you know, six months if it's, if it's going to pay off. If not, then, you know, find that pivot into putting your time in, in somewhere else. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the model of when you exit corporate, scary, but the beauty is, you know, you mentioned the the three F's, right? It's the the freedom, the flexibility and the financial, you know, aspect of it. And it's going to be different for everybody, right? If, if you're hundred percent motivated to be a billion dollar company, your path is going to look a lot different than, Hey, you know, I want to work hard for six hours a day, Monday through Thursday and figure out how to be family day time on Friday. And how do I build backwards into that? And, Again, I think that's very doable. Agreed. It's crazy. Once you get focused, how much more time you actually wasted in a previous life, right? Not waste, but just non-value added time that if you can, again, back to be intentional and and plan it, you can get a lot of stuff done in a lot less time than you probably were in the past. Absolutely. Back to your journey. So when you started, was it, were you just literally starting as a consultant and you picked up some clients? Did you have a client before you started? And kind of how did that, you kind of alluded how your your three S have changed to where you're at now, but you know, how did, how did that journey go? Well, I'll tell you kind of a, a bunch of different things and I think they'll feel all meshed together, but I think that's because most journeys aren't linear. They all True. kind of like okay. jumble and they build off of each other almost, you know, kind of like water running down a mountain. It's never like this straight line, like a pipe, it, it's meandering as it makes its way down like the fault line. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you two things. The first thing though, is I'm almost going to work backwards. Uh, I had a, a company prior to the company I had that I do now, and it was real high level. We were outsourced sales for other companies. And what I realized in that adventure is a, it taught me a ton of stuff, but B, I started to care about our clients more than they cared. And I was taking all the risk, but didn't have much of the reward. And people were pretty much outsourcing a lot of sales to us, but we didn't have the power or the authority 
to actually own it. And that was a really big aha for me where I was like, wait a minute, like on paper, this seems like a great idea, but I think I have it backwards. So I actually decided to wind that company down and start a new version where I'm more of a consultant. And instead of me bringing the team to the client in the first kind of iteration, I come in to the client, I help them build so they have to own it all. So very similar type things, but I approached it differently. Now, I tell you that story because as I was winding down the other company, I I just knew I didn't want to do it. It wasn't serving me very well. Um, For example, I was working too many hours. I had too much risk. I wasn't making what I wanted. I didn't have free time. I was stressed out all the time. I was just like, I got to change. And I I tell you that story because I think it could have been just as easily a corporate job. I'm in this role. I hate my life. It's not, nothing's working for me. What am I going to do? So I'm going to tell you a little side story here that many of you, will, your head might blow up. So I wind down this company and I, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go get a VP of sales job in the corporate world. I think I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to be an individual contributor because I love to sell. So I polish up the resume, update my LinkedIn. I start networking. And what's funny is I get a couple interviews and nobody wants to hire me. I'll be real honest with you. Nobody wants to hire me. And um, when they started thinking about hiring me as the manager or the sales manager, the VP, let's just say it was X amount. Okay. Now as a consultant, they would hire me for three times or five times that amount. So there's this weird thing that happened to me when I was like, look, I have all this experience. I know what the hell I'm doing but it wasn't the right fit to actually go back into corporate. I, I, I think they looked at me like too entrepreneurial, too focused on, you know, like he's going to paint outside the lines and he's going to do all these things that don't fit our corporate culture. But if you flip that around and you go, we need a consultant that comes in that won't do what we've always been doing, that won't get stuck in our traps, that'll bring fresh ideas. All of a sudden I'm worth a hell of a lot more. You might be going, I need a corporate job. I need to stay here when in fact, you could be so much more valuable as a consultant or a solo practitioner or part of a small consulting team because of the exact reason you don't fit in the job and you want to leave right now. And that's what was mind boggling to me. You know, um, I'll come in and I will work with the people that they would have hired for my job to make them better. And they'll pay me a lot more than they would have if they hired me. And so to answer your question is kind of like, how did I do this? Uh, When I exited my last company, I just kind of started to network and I started to talk to people and said, this is what I'm up to. And um, I was very fortunate. A couple opportunities kind of, I don't want to say fell in my lap because chance favors the prepared. It's contact sport. If you're not out talking to people, you're not going to win. But I got really fortunate where a couple people said, Carl, I really would love for you to come into my company Um, as a consultant or as a fractional leader or whatever it might have been. And then it just started to write itself from there. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think I finally had my chance to show up fully. And I'm talking to all of you out there that go, God, I'm smarter than this. Why aren't I getting my promotion? You know, if you can get out of the trap that you're potentially in and, and be the same person, you know, you can be in another environment that might be like exactly what they need. And they would love for you to be a consultant and, and they don't, they just want 25% of you, but they're going to potentially pay you the same amount that you're getting paid today full-time. 
it's just fascinating when, you know, you start talking to people, you share your vision and the right person hears what you have to say. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I need. Can you come do it for me? And that's a really easy way to get started, right? You kind of trial balloon it. You go out to some networking events, your kids' parties, soccer games, your you know daughter's getting married. You're, you're kind of just telling people what you're up to and what you really like to do. And someone's probably going to say, that's interesting. And they've opened the door for you. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love that. And, and it's so true. And I think at least I'm seeing too, because one of my my, my rivalry students is that that fractional leadership. One, it keeps you involved and fresh mm-hmm. and on top of the way things are working. And two, I guess I'm even more surprised or I'm hearing more and more stories that companies, corporations are having trouble hiring people are more willing than ever to find and pay for expertise to come in and help us do for it. Sure. And so I think the opportunities, it's not perfect yet, right? The way you can plug into different companies and a smaller and medium size, it's its a little bit easier. But I'm seeing big companies now starting to, hey, we need this expertise. And if I don't have to pay benefits for it and don't get hit for the headcount, which anybody in corporate knows that the challenges of FTEs, <laughs> that you can solve a problem and it allows you to have more flexibility back to, to what we've talked about. So fast forward a little bit, obviously you've built the business up, you've you've tweaked it. Um, you and I have actually had conversations before about ecosystems and how we can help each other and people start to plug in. So where did the book come into play? Was that just a passion project? Did you use it to help jumpstart the business? Where did... Give me a little bit of the ideation for that first book. Yeah. So I'll just show you cover wise in case you're visual folks set up to win. Um, this was really a personal journey for me. Originally, I thought it was going to be a workbook. These are the things that I use. These are the worksheets I use to get someone clear on who they are, uh, what their offerings are, what's their promise to their customer, who do they sell to. What's the journey that person they sell to kind of goes on so we can meet them along different ways of the journey. I kind of think of like Candyland or shoots and ladders that there's these places where I can interact with my ideal target audience um, to kind of become their guide and start holding their hand the rest of the way through the board with the end of the board of Candyland being a sale or I'm consulting with them. Uh, And then I also was just like, okay, can I put some worksheets together of actually how you process, how do you build process? I started working with a writer to help me build the book. And in talking to them, they were like, this isn't about all the structure and the worksheets. This is about who you are, how you see the world, how you like to impact individuals and teams. There's a lot of heart and soul. And so for me, the book originally was going to be a door opener uh, because there's definitely a big difference if you're a consultant with a book or without, even if it's an ebook, just something where they're like, wow, you've I can see how you show up in the world. And so as I did it, I realized it was more for me. I needed to write it to get clear on how I see the world and how I wanted to go into companies. And fortunately, I think it's a great resource for any small, mid-sized business that's looking to build a sales organization and to do it in an efficient way and really unlock the power of the team and operationalize it a little bit. But ultimately, it kind of gets back to what I said earlier, like do something you're passionate about, get clear on it and then use it on how you show up into the world. And that's what happened, right? I I built this, I started to share it. I'd speak at events, I'd send it to people, I'd give it to people, um, use it on the footer of my email, like, hey, download my book. And it just kind of creates its own momentum, but it also allows someone to go, I understand what you stand for. And when I wrote the second book, Sales and Marketing Alignment, I partnered with another person who's the marketing side of it, I'm the sales side of it. 
And we did it because we kept hearing from our clients and seeing our clients, the problem of sales and marketing not playing well together. And so that has a very different strategy than my first book in the fact that we want you to Google sales and marketing alignment and the book sales and marketing alignment comes up, right? Or, you know, you're in the Amazon bookstore and you're like, gosh, I really need to figure out how to get sales and marketing to align better. And there's our book and built it more as like a blueprint or a, a mechanic to get people to, to solve a problem that they knew they had. So they both have kind of like different strategies, but I will tell you being able to get clear on who you are, uh, whether it's your website or you start writing blogs or you do an ebook or whatever it is, you will show up and you will sell better and you will attract the people that want to work with you because they know what you're about. It's probably one of the best secrets for a solo opener or a small business is like, just get clear on who you are. And then you start to attract the people that value who you are. Good point. And just get, get out there. And, you know, I want to tie it kind of back on the, the, the experience and the expertise. Cause one of the things that opened my eyes again, a few years ago was the fact that so many people were so-called experts that literally had two years of experience, right? How can you be an expert if you've got two years of experience in anything? And I know, you know, just from the, my corporate journey, probably hundreds of people that have unbelievable experience and it doesn't just have to be sales. It could be, you know, you could be a CRM expert in this certain thing. Exactly. You've got skills and experience that the world actually needs. And so I think, again, it can be scary because we're thinking, ah, I can't write a book. I can't do a podcast and you don't have to, it's, it's nice. But the one thing I just want to read it, the world needs your experience, but nobody knows you have it unless they, you right. You let people know <laughs> you have it. So I think that's been, that's been one of my frustrations with, and, and maybe again, maybe it's, it's part of the, the journey of the lesson is that, Hey, these folks with no experience showed you how to get out in the world and share with the world that you can help. So um, I get that's part of my passion project is how do we get people with experience to, to do what they love and, and share that then, I know you may not think you have the expertise, but I guarantee you, you do. That's if somebody's paying you in a corporate role, somebody's probably going to pay you to help them outside of it, right? Yes, and probably more. And probably more, exactly right. All right, so maybe if if you wouldn't mind sharing, because I know one of the other things is, man, how am I going to run a business? I don't know how to run a business, and all these other things. If you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience kind of how you're structured and who do you have partners that help you with, or maybe you don't, maybe you do everything yourself from accounting to sales and just kind of curious how, how you're structured and how you use others to, to help you. Yeah. You all have, you have to start somewhere, right? And I'm also a firm believer that you just need to start. So what I'm, what I'm going to try to tell you here is you don't need QuickBooks. You don't need your CPA. You don't need the bookkeeper. You don't need your attorney. Um, you don't need your SEO expert. You don't need any of these things to get started. And oftentimes, if you feel like you do, I would self-reflect and say, am I scared to actually do the thing? And am I working? So I feel like I'm working and I'm doing it even though I haven't done it. Because until you sell and someone says they want to hire you, you really don't have a business. You know, and I hate to say that because I don't want to crush anybody, but I coached this one individual and for the last six months, they haven't sold anything, but they've certainly redid the deck 10 times and the training program 10 times, and they've worked on their logo 10 times and they've gotten their QuickBooks up. And it's like, guys, you're burning through money and you still don't know if anybody will really buy this. And then I'll hear, well, we've gotten some referrals. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's great. Are you building a lifestyle business or something scalable? Well, something scalable. 
well, can you figure out how to get leads in and convert them first so that you know it can scale because you're just burning money and time. And when I coached with him the other day, sometimes you have to give tough love. And I was like, look, I feel like you're working on the things that are safe so that you still feel like you're working and you're moving forward to your goal, but you're not putting yourself out there. And until you put yourself out there, you really don't have a business and, and the risk you're incurring and the debt you're taking and the more further and further away you're getting, um, you know, from, from your last adventure or whatever, you're just, you're, you're taking on risk instead of like actually doing the thing that proves that somebody might want to buy it. So having said that, my first advice would be get out, you know, if, if it, if it's something you can put on a Fiverr or maybe you're a photographer and there's like a, a tool called Snappy, I think it is, where, you know, you can say, hey, I, I want gigs that are in Denver and I'm going to put myself out there as a potential resource or someplace where there's already a marketplace for what you do. Write a little bio up, put it out there, see if someone will pay you for it um, and then worry about the accounting later. But to answer your question, um, you know, my company's evolved quite a bit. And when I started it, I had I had, had a lot of different other companies. So at some level, I already had a super friends network of CPAs and attorneys and, you know, digital marketing people and, 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 and networks that I'm in and associations I belong in and stuff like that. But I guess I would say from a real high level, I kind of look at it as a couple levers. What's your highest and best use? That's one lever. And then the other one is like, what's your like highest and best happiness or passion, right? Cause some of my highest and best use, I hate doing. There's other highest and best uses I love doing, right? I can, you know, I, I have an MBA. I can totally do my books. I hate that. I hate it. I, I like looking at the financial statements at the end of every month. But I guess I would say, you know, try to focus on highest and best use that creates the most value for yourself and for your clients. And then try to find people that you can vet that their highest and best use are the things that you don't like. So I've had a same CPA and bookkeeper for a very long time. So when I started this newest venture, the cars business, I was telling you, I just called them yeah. and said, can you clone, can you take this over? Um, same with an attorney. Like, can you help me incorporate like this? So at some level, the advanced state is you have these super friends that you can go to right away. But if you don't have those right now, I bet you have a friend that does. Yeah, you know, I bet, that's I bet, such a good or, point. You know, if you're in Denver, contact me. But I guess my point is like, you don't need to have an office. You don't need to have a landline, obviously. You don't probably don't even need to have a car. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of things you don't need that a traditionalist would say you need. All you right. really need is passion and drive and, and get it rolling. And then once you get rolling, you have the money to outsource or hire just like you know, another freelancer, another solopreneur, just like you that loves the other thing. And then you can exactly. really build this virtual team that allows you to accelerate really quickly. You and I have talked about it too. I think, you know, the who, not how book, right? Dan Sullivan exactly. and Hardy is a perfect for the folks we're talking about, because <laughs> to your point, there's things I just don't like to do. And I probably don't do it because I don't like to do it, but there's other people that absolutely love they to do love that to exact do same thing. Absolutely. And, and your time, right? Going back to time is, is money and flexibility for all that type of stuff. So if you're spending five hours a week doing something that's, you could pay somebody, you know, a 10th of what your value is or whatever, it, I think it becomes a math equation, but you, it, the really good point you made, you've made a bunch is, 
just get going, right? You can figure it out, right? I mean, like with, with partnerships and folks we want to work with, everybody wants to sometimes formalize and let's get the agreement nailed down from X, Y, and Z. And like, well, one, let's figure out one, if we like working together, two, let's see if there's something here. And then once we get some traction, we can, we can figure it out. So we share that, that uh, philosophy. <laughs> yeah, that opens up something we talked about earlier with core values at a company. And, and hopefully you have your own core values too. And, and the reason this is important is when you're first starting out, especially if you go to networking events, there's going to be somebody that goes, oh, we should do this together. Like, you know, I can get you some leads. You can get me some leads. And you're like, hot damn, this is going to happen. But as you start to meet them and learn about them, you're not the same type of people. You value very different things. But you've already said you're going to work together. So you start to kind of go, wait, what, what's happening? Like, am I just in business to make money? Am I just in business to grow? Or am I in business to align to some piece of value that I create in a way that I want to create it? And if it's the latter, then... I would just do a little quick exercise. You know, what do I stand for? You know, where, where are my boundaries? Who would I want to work with? Almost like just like your, your ideal customer profile, but who's your ideal partner profile? And that way when you're networking or you're thinking about somebody or your mom goes, hey, there's a neighbor and she does this thing. You two should work together. You have a way to vet it because any partner you have, whether they're kind of a vendor supporting you or a partner that you're maybe sharing a client with, if you're not aligned on values, you're going to have some challenges. So your core values are essential for your business and for who you are in general, because you're you're always using it as a kind of a litmus test of who you're going to work with. Super important. Right. Yeah, no, and I couldn't agree more. And you articulate it much better than I do. <laughs> I kind of take the you know the no asshole policy, and, right. and I've taken it a step further that says, you man, I only want people with positive energy, right? The the negative energy just, and I say that in the sense, it just it can be draining, right? If you're spending your valuable time, you have to be the values, and you know, is this somebody you can spend time with? Ultimately, you ask yourself, why am I partnering with somebody? And it should be to kind of be a one plus one doesn't equal two, it equals three. And right. when you start thinking about teams, whether it's you and your spouse and you're a team in business together or you and five other people or a hundred other people, the whole concept of bringing these people together is to keep leveraging each other up, right? Of being of service to, to, to kind of shore up their weaknesses and play to your strengths. And so knowing this out of the gate is really important or it's just going to be another distraction, another roadblock or another piece in your mind where you go, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I should go take that job that my dad says I should take because, you know, right. what, who am I to be an entrepreneur? Like, come on, you know, you got to just get intentional and, and have faith in yourself and surround yourself with people that are aligned to you. Any other uh, pieces of advice that we didn't cover that you'd offer for folks that are thinking about this or did we hit most of the, the main? Yeah. Since I live in the world of sales, let me leave you with one story and hopefully you get some inspiration from it. So many, many years ago in one of the other companies I started, um, I was actually working at a corporate role. I had had bankruptcy. I went to work for a friend's company as kind of an entrepreneur. I was in his company. And even though I was still entrepreneurial, I was in somebody else's company and I was in a corporate role. And so I was pretty seriously considering transitioning out. And I had actually already developed a kind of a part-time side hustle, if you want to call it that. And so I was playing around just like we talked about earlier, like what else could I do? Can I experiment? Can I try 10 hours a week or, you know, on my weekends or whatever I'm going to do? Like, can I do something to test it? And I was, and it was working. 
And so I started to go, who is my next customer? And literally I went through LinkedIn and, and we all hopefully have LinkedIn or some version of social media. It doesn't matter what it is. And I just kind of looked at each picture. What are they doing now? Who are people that I like? Who are friends? It doesn't mean they're going to buy from me. Who's somebody who's a friend that I would value their opinion and would give it to me straight up? So I run across this guy named Matt. And Matt and I had known each other for a while, but I had kind of fallen out of touch with him. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to call Matt and I'm just going to say, can you give me an hour? I'm going to come into your office and I'm going to present to you what I think I'm going to do. And can you give me some solid feedback? And I also said, Matt, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm really not. I need your opinion. Like, cause you're somebody I would work with. He's like, sure. And remember people are your friends. People want to help other people. So whatever is in your brain, like around fear, let it out, go be transparent, authentic, and vulnerable with somebody that cares about you. And so I did, I went in and I said, Matt, this is what I think I'm going to do. And I kind of shared the blueprint of the company. And he goes, I need that. And I started loud and I said, Matt, I didn't come here to sell. And he's like, no, I know that. Can you meet with my sales team next week? Let's just start there. Have a conversation with them and tell me what you think. I ended up working for him 10, for 10 years as a, one of my part-time clients, one of my fractional gigs for almost 10 years. And the amount of business that came from that, from other people in his network and referrals is probably well, probably somewhere between, probably in the seven figure range, all because I was willing to go and talk to him and just say, what do you think? And so what I would leave you all with is you have somebody, even if you're 20 years old, you know, you have parents or uncles and they have their friends, somebody that saw you grow up a baseball coach and just say, can I get an hour of your time? I want to share what I'm up to. And will you give me some real feedback? And you never know where it's going to go. So I always tease people sales is a contact sport, but just quit negotiating against yourself. Get out there and like share your vision <laughs> and ask for some help. And most likely a door is going to open for you. And then you're on your way. Yeah. That's such a good point. And most of us don't leverage our network to the extent that we can. It's not take advantage of the network, but have the conversations, build those relationships. And exactly. if you don't have it, no, but it's like the tree in the forest that falls, right? Did, did it fall if you didn't hear it? Well, the same thing with your business. You have the best business in the world. And if nobody knows about it, then it, does it exist? So exactly, I, I love that. And I think it's, it, it's a great way to close. So Carl, I know listening to this, people are going to want to read reach you or learn more about you? What is the best way to connect with you? And two, I'm assuming the books are on Amazon. We'll put the links in the show notes, of course, but. My company is called Improving Sales Performance. And the URL is exactly that, improvingsalesperformance.com. Uh, on there, there's uh, links to my books. There's also a resource library. I also have blogs that show up a couple times a month of tips and tricks if you want to do sales or growth or market or just get your team out there or, or, you know, get your product out there. I also talk a lot about building teams and bringing out the best in people. Both books, I tell you what I'll do is I'll share a link with you and you can download the digital copies for free. You just need to put your information in awesome. and both set up to win and sales and marketing alignment. And I would also extend this too. If you want to connect with me, even if you want to ask me a little bit of advice, find me on LinkedIn, fill out the form on my website and just say, I heard you on Brett's podcast. Would you connect with me? I'd be happy to. And um, I'll do the best I can to support you or share a resource. Carl, it's always great to talk to you and have you on. I mean, I think we'll, we'll keep you on as a repeat regular guest just because be I think uh, your experience, both, both sides, right? The journey and the subject matter experts, I think you can help us both ways. So as always, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was a blast.